and welcome to Creative Lives. This is the podcast brought to you by Lecture in Progress, where we get to know inspiring creatives, how they got to where they are today, and their wisdom for those just starting out. Our guest this week is renowned art director, designer, and illustrator, Kate Moross, who we caught up with at Studio Moross HQ, based in South London. Hello, my name is Kate Moross. I define what I do as a jack of all trades, but I tell most people I'm a designer because it's easier for them to understand. But I don't really see myself as any singular kind of role. I do lots of things, art direction, design, business, all things. Best known for their energetic, bold and colourful work for a huge range of clients, including MTV, One Direction and record label Young Turks, Kate has also earned a reputation for radical transparency, calling out poor employment practices and being refreshingly open about subjects like money, diversity and their non-binary identity. Kate began working on commissions while still a student at Camberwell College of Art, creating distinctive posters bursting with hand-drawn typography that soon became a trademark. Often collaborating with musicians and promoters, it was a perfect storm of a vibrant local music scene and the dawn of digital platforms like MySpace that helped launch their career. This early life experience was seminal, and by 2012, Kate had founded Studio Moros and was propelled into graphic design stardom. Today, many of the studio's clients are still in the music world, from Sam Smith and Disclosure to Simeon Mobile Disco and the Spice Girls, for whom the studio recently created all the branding and art direction for Spice World 2019 tour, a dream project. We kicked off a wide-ranging conversation by asking Kate what an average day looks like, both personally and for the wider Studio Moros team. An average day for me would be in the studio here in Stockwell, managing the team and the projects that we have on. My role is primarily in making sure we get new projects, making sure everyone's happy, making sure everyone's looked after in the team and then also managing the creative and the art direction on all the projects we're working on, whether that's working with a team member to do that or independently. My role is my role is quite consistent in that way and we have quite a tight-knit team and we talk a lot, we do a lot of talking in an average day. We like to kind of keep the conversation open on projects and talk about bigger things, not just the work we're doing. Next up, I asked Kate a question that came in from one of our readers, Jaheed Hussain, a designer and recent grad based in Manchester, who wanted to know if founding a studio had always been a part of Kate's plan. As an individual, the aspiration to have a studio was always there, but I perhaps didn't realise I'd come to it so early. I think that was important to me because as much as I liked working by myself, I'm, I prefer working in other people. I find working in a vacuum very, very difficult. So I really love having a team in a studio. Although Kate is more proud of the culture they've worked hard to create at Studio Moros rather than individual projects, the way that their work for the Spice Girls touched fans, friends and other designers felt particularly special. I think whenever you do a project that really fits into an element of your identity or crosses over to something in your life that you feel really strongly about. I feel like that's very rare. 
what the Spice Girls did all those years ago, I think no one can deny the impact that they had on individuals, regardless of gender or expression or anything, just of young people and, and older, of, of any generation really. They they had an impact, a huge stamp in people's lives. So for me, I think I wanted the show to be inclusive and talking about a group of five individuals who very much had their own identities and spoke to their fan base with the same integrity now as they did then and just making sure that we maintained that and upheld that and celebrated it because that's certainly how I felt when I looked at them when I was little and like seeing that I could dress as any way I wanted or be different to someone else or I didn't have to wear clothes like that or talk like this or the idea of just self-expression as a simplistic uh, theme was very powerful. I think for me, the things that we draw from when we design are very much baked into our lives and how we've grown up and what we've experienced. Especially for me as a kind of designer, I don't really go much further than what I know. I don't do lots of research. I don't do lots of galleries and things. I'm quite simple in my approach to my references. As I've gotten older, I've realized how important nostalgia is in my work and how present it is in so much of the work that I make. Although that isn't necessarily a visual style, it's a kind of powerful tool and approach that I lean to a lot and when I make things because I'm referencing a time in my life where those things were maybe the most impactful. We then went on to talk about Kate's upbringing and education and how that led to their start in the world of creative work. Yeah, I grew up in a kind of semi-suburban part of North London called Highgate. I went to an all-girls school, unfortunately, in South Hampstead. And it was quite sheltered, but I was really fortunate to have open-minded parents who were kind of could see outside the wider spectrum of what you're supposed to grow up to be and what you're supposed to grow up to look like and act like. So I was very privileged in that respect that I was kind of encouraged to express myself from a very young age and had a lot of autonomy about over myself and how I, what I wore and what subjects I studied and things like that. My earliest memory of like a career goal, <laughs> if you could call it that, was I wanted to be an inventor, which I think pretty much lines up with what I do. I think I didn't probably know what a designer was. I loved making things and I loved miniatures and I was really into essentially craft and painting and my my parents were like very aware of my hunger for those sorts of things. So they kind of fed me as many things as as I would take. I did a foundation at Wimbledon School of Art and then I moved into graphic design at Campbell College of Art. So during foundation, I reached a crossroads where I had to choose a specialism. And it was kind of graphic design slash visual communication or fine art. And I really enjoyed fine art. And I'd studied art and design at school. But I think ultimately, I, I was more interested in computers and design technology than I was interested in paint. And I, I mean, of course, those industries are not defined by their medium or their materials. But I think a, a sort of foundation arts level they feel like they are a little bit so I went into design and I think that was probably clear to everyone who knew me when I was younger that that was going to be the area I went into because I love designing things and I did everything at school like the school magazine and the set designs and the hockey posters and the yearbooks and that you know I learned in design when I well it was quark back then but you know I was learning those softwares when I was you know still a teenager 
Design was a huge part of my mind. I just didn't really understand the scope of it until I learned more at school. When I left school and went to university, I moved to Camberwell and I, I just went nuts. I was out every night of the week partying and going to gigs and meeting people and it was really, really seminal, I think, for me. It was the dawn of my space and indie music scene was like blowing up in, the, in, in London and across the UK, really. And I feel like that scene was and still is like those people are now in the positions of power in various organizations and record labels and which is such a cliche it really was a melting pot of um, ideas and, and music and creativity as well as like people using the internet to leverage those ideas and make businesses out of their ideas and make nightclubs and build radio shows or develop art collectors or whatever they were doing there was something magic happening at that time I saw all of my relationships at that time as professional, bizarrely, because there was a sort of formality to the scene in a really nice way, in the sense that people were always looking for opportunities for each other or to work together. And of course, it was very social and there were drugs and alcohol and all of that stuff involved. So it wasn't that professional. But there was a sense of everyone trying to move towards a singular kind of goal. And there was a sort of hustle in the air. So... I did feel like, and I always have felt like those relationships, from my side anyway, were professional relationships. And of course, there were friendships too. But I did treat everything like quite seriously back then, even though I was just a kid and I was just kind of working out how things went. But I still like asked to be paid and chased people when they didn't pay me and, you know, had a business card. And I took myself very seriously and put my website on every flyer I designed. And that's how people got to know my work. These relationships had a formative effect on Kate, both in terms of the jobs they were exposed to and the style they became known for in those early years, particularly their distinctive hand lettering. I don't feel that university did anything for me. <laughs> the thing that had the biggest impact on me was my peers and people I knew and the music industry, really. The style fell into place in terms of the hand-drawn lettering for a number of reasons. There are a few people that kind of formed it in terms of other people who are working in that style at the time who, for example, gave me jobs that they didn't want so I could kind of do my take on things. The main reason I think in reflection that style was popular because the indie music scene was blowing up and on a night there would be like 30 or 40 bands and DJs playing and it's quite hard to make a listing flyer of 40 names look good without it just being set type. So I kind of took it on myself to draw the lettering and try and make every band look different on the lineup so that it had a dynamic. And that's basically what blew it up. It was just a kind of moment in time. And then as all trends in illustration happen at that time also, there was a trend in hand-drawn type, probably due to access to Wacom tablets and digitizing and live tracing types. So you could blow up drawings for ad campaigns and it started becoming more prevalent in campaigns around London. So then I got more commercial work off the back of the work I did in music. But I learned to move on like as soon as I could really from that because I realized that I really didn't want to get tied into a specific look. I think I've had an inherent drive from a young age, like a 
an unwavering forward momentum to make things and to collaborate and solve problems. And I think that combined with being in London at that time felt like a bit of a chemical reaction. A lot of people within university create work that's kind of artificial or internal or, or personal projects and work that doesn't have a real life existence and I think that hinders people a lot because they're making work for themselves and they don't really get an opportunity to experience the process of working with someone which is actually the challenge the design bits the easy bit the client bits the hard bit so I think my advice to people if they did want to develop their experience while they're at university would be to try more real life projects and more sort of interactions with existing with current businesses or collaborations that you can try and make happen it's definitely easier said than done but it's worth doing that as soon as you can so that when you do come out of uni it's not the first time you try and negotiate your day rate that at least you have some experience of the world prior to being out there I remember every business negotiation I've ever had, whether they were good or bad. But I used to design flyers in exchange for free tickets or guest list. So I didn't really get paid or maybe I got £50 for a flyer. That was kind of good if you got £50. Or one of the things I did, I remember for one night, um, which I was commissioned to make a poster for, but the, the promoter didn't have any money, of course, was that I asked if I could sell my posters at the gig and I did, and I ended up selling them and making my money by doing that. So I was always trying to find a clever way to kind of get some money. I think working for free is a valid position as long as it's on your terms. Um, there are certain things I think you shouldn't do. Like I don't think you should do any free labor, for example, like working in a business or for a person for no money. But creating work for a low fee or creating work in exchange for things or creating work on your own terms um, to gain experience or exposure based on what you want, not what someone tells you that they want, is fine, I believe, if you have the capacity to create those boundaries for yourself and you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. We moved on to talk about representation and inclusivity within the design industry. As Kate told us about feeling responsibility to open up spaces to creatives from minority backgrounds, as well as the importance of calling out unfair working practices, both publicly and behind the scenes. I mean, I think we are part of a very structured and unfair system, especially in the art school system, which is for the privileged few who can afford to access it or whose parents can understand why you might choose an arts or design career, which I think is changing a bit now that the arts and design world have become capitalized and like have become, you know, actually a very good prospect for a career. However, there are still people who don't know or understand that. Also, access to employment is very difficult because most people don't advertise design roles. It's a closed system where people offer jobs to their friends or pe other people they know, which means it's all the same types of people with the same access as they have to most, which is usually white people and usually not from any minority groups or any marginalised kind of groups of society. So I take on 
that position because there is not a lot I can do as a business owner in terms of changing the world or changing the industry because I have such a small part in it in terms of like our studio is very small. We don't do huge work. We don't operate with big budgets. We don't do campaigns. We do quite measured and simple work, but I can give advice and be an advocate for these types of practices to give and encourage access to the industry and work with organizations and support organizations who do that. I think that as a privileged white person, that is my job (laughs) to talk about things in spaces that are difficult for other people to listen to and to call people out on bad working practices, to call people out who offer unpaid internships, to call people out who are discriminatory in their campaigns. And call-out culture doesn't have to be toxic and cancel culture. It can be more discreet. And that's what I do a lot more work behind the scenes. Like if I see someone taking up space on a panel, maybe where they might not have seen that them being on that panel might be a problem, I will reach out to them in the DMs and be like, hey, this is a panel about diversity or this is a panel about getting women into design. Perhaps you shouldn't be on this panel or perhaps you should elect someone. I like to do things in a very fair and um, educational way rather than like shame anyone. But a lot of the work is behind the scenes and it's a really important part of my day-to-day life because I can't really feel good about design in a capitalist world if I'm not trying to change the system and make it better in the actual foundation and the process of the making of the work. Although a lot of Kate's advocacy has been through their online channels, we spoke about how using social media for creative work can be both a blessing and a curse. I think social media is different for everyone in terms of how they want to use it. I think it can be an incredibly powerful business tool for individuals, organizations who are looking to get work without going into the usual old school systems. Like the ad agency system used to be, you had to have a physical portfolio and take it in and show it to someone. And to get that opportunity in the first place, you needed an agent. And all of that's been completely busted down by social media. Now an art buyer can look online and go, I want you to be in an ad or I think your message is cool. Can you be the face of this? And it means that the money is more spread and it's going to more people, which is great. So it's democratized the illustration industry, definitely, and and the design and campaign world. It is also like an incredibly toxic and scary place too. And obviously your doors are open for comment or can affect people's mental health. It can affect how people feel about their work and how it's received as opposed to just making work for themselves or They are judging themselves on an algorithm, which is potentially dangerous. I personally feel like my social media is there for me to be visible in lots of different ways. So to be visible as like a trans or non-binary person, whether that's in the field of design or just in general, just in a career doing things in the world. Also, it's an opportunity to talk about specifically about like unpaid internships, which is a thing I do a lot of work around to talk about the issues that gender non-conforming and trans people have in the world and to talk about white supremacy and how damaging and terrible it is and how we can try and dismantle it. So those things, some of those subjects are much easier to digest than others, but I feel that's the work and that is part of my role on social media to do those things. So I I said that in the past, it's important to have an opinion in your work because I feel like people get hung up on a visual style and they don't think about how they are reflected in their work. And I think now in the current climate, 
more than ever, who you are as a creator is as important as what your work looks like. And actually, commercially, although that's quite conflicting, that's also really important. Like, back when I started, you were invisible. You were a hired hand to make a poster. The fact it was you who made it wasn't irrelevant. But now when someone books you for a campaign, they want to know how many followers you've got. They want to know what your engagement's like. They want to know what your demographic is like, even if you're just an illustrator. So now that your contract includes you posting about the work or being part of a film or whatever bullshit thing that a brand wants you to do, that's somehow become very important. So even more so now, I think having an opinion and having an opportunity to push you know, your opinion and your perspective and show yourself as a unique person in the industry, this is the time to do it. And don't get hung up on style because style is like, it disappears, it comes and goes. But your your take on things is what makes you interesting and what makes your work interesting. So that's what I've always lent into. Talking about money has long been something at the top of Kate's list when it comes to passing down wisdom to younger designers. In their 2012 book, Make Your Own Luck, Kate dedicated a whole chapter to the topic and has been astonishingly frank about their fees. My first learning with money was accounting and learning about accounting and tax, which is not a fun topic, but really if you're going to be a freelancer or run your own studio, those are things you need to understand from the jump because going back and trying to backtrack can cause you a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. So I often recommend to people to people who have more complex businesses. So maybe not just a freelancer that has no expenses, but for people that do have some ingoings and outgoings to find an accountant and to get, maybe even if it's just your first year of accounting done for you. So you understand how everything works because you'll often save the money that you, it costs you to get an accountant. So that would be my first recommendation. Other big learnings, oof, how much to pay yourself and how to separate your personal income from your business income. One of the things I did very early on was just have two separate bank accounts. And that sounds very simple, but it's very straightforward. You get paid by your clients into one bank account and then you pay yourself out of another. It helps you kind of understand the flow of money better, helps you save better, helps you kind of keep some hygiene in your business practice in terms of knowing what's yours and what's needs to stay there to pay the bills and to help when it's an emergency. I think when you're writing a business plan, that's called an, a personal budget or an, and there's something called an emergency personal budget, which is the absolute bare minimum that you can live on. Understanding that can be really helpful. Even now uh, into my career, I still have to kind of budget my life because I have so many responsibilities and things I have to pay for. I need to make sure that Everything is really well managed. But getting ahead of money so it doesn't get ahead of you, I think is really, really important. And try to talk to people about it if you're worried or don't understand because being fearful of something and, and ignoring it often makes it worse, and gets more scary and more anxiety inducing. So tackle stuff head on from the get go and it will definitely make your life easier. We ended by asking Kate their advice on how to break through at the start of your career, from finding a unique style to simply being honest about what you know. I always feel cautious about giving advice based on my experience because my experience is very singular. However, I would say build your own library of interests that goes beyond visual trends and styles. 
and get out in the world and talk to people and read around your interests and think about what areas you would like to work in because it's one thing to know you want to do a certain thing like graphic design or illustration or book design or whatever that might be but also you should think about what sector you want to work in because now design is such a prevalent career in the UK you kind of need to think about your journey into that career a bit more what world do you want to work in do you want to work in fashion do you want to work in tv like there are so many industries so do some research around those things too and try and get experience as well as design experience get career experience in certain industries I thought I wanted to work in magazines. I thought I wanted to work in all these different areas. And then I playing around in those areas and realized I hated magazines and I didn't like designing for magazines at all. And then I found music and then I knew that that was the thing I wanted to stick with. So yeah, I think try not to compare yourself to other people or try and find or copy a path that someone else has had because you don't really know what factors built into that. But instead just develop your own interests, your own sense of self and your own understanding of your work and your skills, those are really important things to have and then ask questions. I think everyone should develop a good sense of self affirmation. And like, I always say like, if you can imagine yourself doing something, you probably can. Like even if you've not done it before, if you can kind of like daydream it, then maybe you'd be okay. A lot of people will look for you to have experience for you to be able to do the thing. So they'll be like, oh, I can't let you do this thing because you've not done this thing before, which is a very closed circle. And I found that very frustrating. But I wouldn't say like bullshitting is the right word, although there was a huge element of that. But I think that can make people feel more, even more like an imposter if they feel like they're somehow being disingenuous or dishonest about what they can do I would say be honest say I haven't done a poster before however I have done a bunch of other work that is completely transferable skill and I think I would be worth a shot at working on it I think I've done that more recently with some projects so we we don't do a huge amount of like branding and branding strategy but we do we just don't do it in a formalized way so when a client comes to us for a project and they're asking for that I'll just say look I don't have a portfolio of you know statistics on all the branding work we've done but why don't you just give us a shot and it's not our strength but it's certainly something we're interested in doing for you And often that sort of honesty can be quite powerful. And I think people will trust you as opposed to you just like throwing a bunch of bravado at it and kind of lying. But yeah, be confident in what you can do. Even if what you can do is quite limited, you've done it and you've you've tried it and you've learned something and you can always learn more. And hopefully you'll find someone who you can work with or work for that will see that kind of enthusiasm and skill set in you to give you some another level of opportunity. The Creative Lives podcast is brought to you by Lecture in Progress, a platform helping emerging talent grow fulfilling creative careers. I'm Indy Davis, and our guest this week was Kate Moross. Our editor is Ivor Manley, with production support from Laura Snowd. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of our brand partners. They include GF Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, Colophon Foundry, GifGaff, and the Paul Smith Foundation. Find out more at lectureinprogress.com. And we also love hearing from you, so do get in touch or please leave us a rating. See you next week. <laughs>